All right, everybody, welcome to B.O. Boys for Monday, December 6th. Fuck it, it's a raw feed. We're doing it live. I'm Clayton. Yeah, I'm Pat. And, Pat, it was a sleepy weekend at the box office, but we never sleep. The B.O. Boys never sleep. No, we can't sleep. Medically, we're not allowed to sleep as long as there's box office coming in. And... Yeah, it was a sleepy weekend at the box office, but I feel like that means an extra peppy episode of the B.O. Boys to make up for the box office. We got to keep things level. Yeah, we took our three-hour energies. We're ready to go. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But before we get into the meat, we got to plow. So let's let's start. Go for it. Plow that top five. Number one. In Kanto, $13.1 million, down 52%. It is at $58.3 million in its second frame. Number two, Ghostbusters Afterlife, $10.3 million, down 57%. Lost 256 theaters. It is over $100 million, $102.2 million in its third weekend. Number three, House of Gucci. $7 million, down 51%, added six theaters. It is at $33.8 million in its second weekend. Number four, Christmas with the Chosen, a fathom event, $4.1 million in only 1,700 theaters. It is at $9 million total in its first weekend. Number Five Eternals, four million dollars down, forty-eight percent. Added sixty-five theaters. It is now at one hundred and fifty-six point six million dollars in its fifth frame. That is your top five. Yeah, it's a sleepy top five, in a way, but it's an exciting top five because a movie none of us expected to be in there is in the top five. So in retrospect, how are we saying this is sleepy? Our eyes should be wide open, pulled open, wide awake, because Jesus Christ himself is in this top five. Well, I was going to say it was a sleepy weekend at the box office, but he has risen. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He has risen. I mean, well, let's, before we get into the, the... the the Jesus you know uh, factor this week, and maybe that'll be a its own segment is the Jesus factor. Anything non Jesus related in this top five that really stands out to you? I mean, we've got Encanto number one, and I think it's pretty safe to say Encanto is not connecting in the way a Disney animated film usually does and i don't think this is just you know the context of coming out of the pandemic and families aren't going back the way they used to i think Encanto is just not doing well well it grossed less in its second weekend than the good dinosaur which made 15.3 million and tangled which made 21.6 million and those are on the lower grossing side of your Disney movies. You know, not Frozen or Frozen 2. Obviously, those are juggernauts. But yeah, there was a lot of talk that the marketing on this made people think it was Coco Part 2 or Coco Adjacent. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. 
I think Coco is a movie that people are fond of, but it's by no means a world beater when it comes to Disney or Pixar. Yeah, it's, I mean, and, and it is the factor of, even though it's in theaters only, parents know this is coming to Disney Plus in a couple of weeks. And as tough as it is to keep a, a, a kid waiting for anything, especially around Christmas time, it might have been a situation where the parents knew, just wait a few more weeks and it'll be on the television. You know, and that's a tricky game for Disney to play going forward is everyone knows that all this stuff is going to get to Disney Plus a lot quicker than it used to, you know, than it used to get to cable or, or, or pay TV. So you almost got to you really got they really got to figure out how to hide that information going forward, yeah. you know, and it's it's not going to be a big deal on the stuff that people really, really want to see. But it's the stuff like Encanto that people are on the fence about anyway. If they know it's going to be free in like three or four weeks, they really might just be waiting. Because then you do have a movie like Ghostbusters Afterlife, which we, I think, both picked to overtake Encanto, and I'm Mm -hmm. pretty surprised it didn't. But it's now over $102 million, so that's mm -hmm. great. But I do think it bit into Encanto in a way that Disney wasn't expecting. Yeah. And now Ghostbusters Afterlife, you know, the last couple of weeks we've been keeping a running tally comparing how it did to 2016's Ghostbusters Answer the Call or just Answer the Call. And it has now fallen behind answer the call in terms of what it has made up to this point. Because after the third weekend, answer the call had gotten up to 106 million domestic. Whereas afterlife after its third weekend is sitting at 102 million. It didn't have, it didn't have the great third weekend that I think we were expecting. It had a good third weekend. It, it stayed at number two. But it didn't have that. I, I I think if it had overtaken Encanto for number one, there'd be a lot of buzz around Afterlife right now. Because like we said, people love that story uh, of a movie getting back to number one after being out for a few weeks. And that didn't happen this week. So it's not going to get you know those sort of front page headlines. It's not going to be above the fold uh, the way it would have if it had gotten to number one. Yeah, and speaking of Ghostbusters, we had a theory Mm -hmm. that a lot of the Ghostbusters traffic and a lot of the people buying tickets are people in their 40s and 50s that were teenagers when the original Ghostbusters came out, forcing forcing their kids, Mm -hmm. either saying, you're coming— period, or Mm. trying to make the kid want to see the movie because their parents seeing the movie because those kids are still at the age where they want to be their parents or guardian, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. they just want to impress them or be like them, things like that. So Right. Stay on the right side of their parents or guardian. 
and it's not like it, uh, it's akin to Stockholm syndrome in a way mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. you know the 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 hostages become enamored with the the captors. This is the Spangler syndrome. I'm calling it mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is what we could refer to this as. And now, Pat, you had an experience with this. I did. So this past weekend, uh, I saw I saw some family, some extended family. And I was speaking to a family member who was my age. So you could make your guess as to uh, uh, what my relation to this person is. You know, thinking of a family member who was in your general age, you could figure out, all right, it's probably not an aunt or an uncle. It's probably not a niece or a nephew. You know, that, but, but I, you, I, I'm not going to state it outright who this family member was, but you could guess based on, again, family member who is your age and not a sibling. So anyway, I was speaking to this family member who is in my who's my age, you know, a little older, he's in a, in his uh, 40s, and he had taken his two young children to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. So this is a uh, a 7-year-old and a 9-year-old both went to Ghostbusters Afterlife and he admitted that they had no real prior knowledge of Ghostbusters, no prior desire to go see Ghostbusters. They were at the screening of Ghostbusters with tickets that he bought because he wanted to see Ghostbusters Afterlife. So this was admitted to me. And I asked him, did they like it? And his response was basically, I think so. And then he proceeded to tell me about the emotional reactions he had to seeing Ghostbusters, specifically the ending of Ghostbusters Afterlife. Mm-hmm. So there was no admission that the kids hated it. And I didn't get a chance to interview these children uh, uh, apart from you know, this relative who's my age. I didn't get a chance to interview them apart from their guardian. So I don't know for sure whether his recounting of it was true in that he said, I think they liked it. I I never got confirmation as to whether they did in fact like it or perhaps they hated it. What what age are the children? Seven and nine. Okay, I do think they probably wouldn't speak out against their parent or guardian. Right. I I don't think that because it did. Here's the thing: Ghostbusters never came up other than talking to the relative who was my age. Okay. You know, it's not like the the younger the the children who saw this Ghostbusters movie showed up in Ghostbusters costumes, you know, or showed up uh, uh, asking me, hey, have you seen Ghostbusters? It's this new movie that we both really loved and everyone's talking about on the playground. That didn't happen. The only one who brought up Ghostbusters to me of the three people who saw that movie was the relative who was my age, not the relative's who were seven and nine? They never brought up. They didn't bring it up to say we hated it, which it would that that would be surprising if those children had brought it up to say, "Hey, 
we got to tell you about this movie we hated. You know, that I wouldn't have expected that. At that age, I think hatred is reserved for things like vegetables and homework. Exactly, exactly. So that wasn't going to be something that would have happened naturally. I would have had to pry that out of them. But they didn't show up talking about how great Ghostbusters was, were, you know, are. They they yeah. they 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 seem to be very into uh, Legos, you know. So that was freely offered up. That Legos are great, um, you know. And other other there were other interests that were mentioned over the course of the day that these younger children were very into. Ghostbusters Afterlife was not that. So th- this is the, you know, this is the firsthand reporting I could give is that the children who saw Ghostbusters Afterlife that I met this weekend, they never brought it up, but the adult who saw Ghostbusters Afterlife with those children brought up Ghostbusters Afterlife immediately. So, you know, it's, that that it's... is that is my reporting. That's very interesting, and I have a report of my own, which is a a conflicting report. Okay. And this comes from somebody who is very tapped in to the kids. Okay. And I'm going to refer to this person as Deep Santa. Okay. This is, well, I won't go any more into this, but this is for real, that Deep Santa, this year, has had several children sitting on his, not sitting on his lap because it's not allowed. Mm-hmm. It's behind a table, everything like that. It's very unfortunate. But there's been a good amount of children asking for Ghostbusters toys. Mm-hmm. Now, apparently, Ghostbusters has a huge toy line or at least a toy line that is in the zeitgeist and that was surprising to me and it was surprising Mm -hmm. to deep santa as well now here's the thing at first i took that on face value because i thought oh well these kids are asking for something that they want again though when we're talking about this generation this infantilized generation of your 40-year-olds, your 50-year-olds, they still have toys. Mm -hmm. So they might be whispering in Timmy's ear, in Billy's ear, in Sarah's ear, ear, (laughs) fuck it, we're doing it live, Susie's ear, and saying, hey, why don't you get that Slimer? Hey, Mm -hmm. why don't you get that Ghostbusters mobile with the with the uh, uh, gunner, what is that called? The the gunner seat. The gunner, the gunner seat. seat. It was in, it was in the animated series, apparently. Yeah. So so it, I guess it's not necessarily conflicting because it it could just be another sign of the Spangler syndrome. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. A more insidious yeah, side of it. So now you've got all these Patty Hearst running around sitting on Santa's lap, or I guess sitting on a table in front of Santa. That's how the well, Santa's that's sitting operate. on a table. They're sitting at a table like a person would. Okay. Okay. So Yeah, this like is... a kid splayed on a table like Michelle Pfeiffer in the Fabulous Baker Boys would probably be weird. 
Right, right, right. But I mean, listen, they they gotta they gotta if as long as it's not splayed out on Santa's lap, it's better. Yeah. Apparently. Um, that is interesting. So so Deep Santa, who's part of the Santa Industrial Complex, mm-hmm. who's out there on the ground w- with the kids, is definitely hearing a lot of Ghostbusters afterlife chatter from these kids. The question is, are the kids doing that because they are genuinely now interested in Ghostbusters or because the parents are telling them, go tell Santa you want Ghostbusters toys? Yeah. We don't know that. Well, I mean, if I don't know what your level of contact with Deep Santa is, whether you could relay uh, messages to Deep Santa but if Deep Santa was able to, next time a, a, a child puts in a request for Ghostbusters Afterlife uh, toys and memorabilia, if Deep Santa could have a follow-up question and, and basically just ask why, why do you want that? Is that what Cody wants or is that mm-hmm. what mommy and daddy wants? Right, right. And let's be right. honest, it's daddy. And it's dad, yeah. Mommy don't, mommy don't give a shit about Ma- Ghostbusters. Mommy just loves that Ghostbusters Afterlife exists, so that uh, they were out of the house for two and a half hours. Exactly. Um. Yeah, it would be great if Deep Santa could ask these follow up questions. I mean, Deep Santa is got the beard, so that really does help with hiding. Uh, you know his his lips. You know, so he's able to whisper things to these kids that the parents don't know about, which in some cases is not good, but I think in this case is good because it allows Deep Santa to ask follow-up questions about Ghostbusters Afterlife. And I, that would help us, help us out a lot if Deep Santa could start asking these kids where their uh, uh, enthusiasm about Ghostbusters Afterlife is coming from. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I mean, in terms of Ghostbusters Afterlife, it is still definitely doing really well. Um, The fact that it's fallen behind the pace of Answer the Call is not great, but like we've talked about before, Afterlife's budget is so much lower than Answer the Call's was that it doesn't even have to make as much as Answer the Call did to be considered a big hit. Oh, absolutely. And and uh-huh. we'll see how it does next weekend when it's going up against West Side Story. But mm-hmm. after that, it's scorched earth because Spider-Man is coming out, mm-hmm. uh, No Way Home. And that is just going to demolish everything in its path. Yeah. So number three, House of Gucci. I don't think which... we need to talk about House of Gucci. Well, I mean, we thought that it may have moved up to two, and it didn't. Seven million after two weeks. Uh, after two weeks, it's now at thirty-three point eight million total. I never said two. Did you say two? Yeah, I think I think no, I might have thought would it would fall this. down to three. Well, either way, it's at thirty-three point eight. It's not going to. It's pretty clear it's not going to break out. You know, this is a movie that at this pace maybe hits 50 domestic at best and probably not. Mm-hmm. So it's it's 
going to end up possibly a disappointment. It needed to have a better hold this week to really get itself on a good path. I think its hope now is Gaga gets a nom 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 Mm -hmm. and this gets a boost re-release post Oscars. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's going to need that. It's going to need to get a best picture nom 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 and best actress. But it was it was leading Monday and Tuesday. It was the the highest earner in theaters Monday and Tuesday. Well, I mean, a week, a movie that could have taken a little something from it, oddly enough, could be this this surprise number four movie. This fabulous. You think there's crossover between House of Gucci and Christmas with the Chosen? I do, I do. Because there is the, I, I, listen, I know this person who is this. Oh, you do. You know, like there, there is this, uh, uh, and I, and I could say this because I, a, Italian person who maybe would have went to see House of Gucci because it had Pacino and it had Lady Gaga and maybe they were, you know, you thinking they might eat some gabagool in the movie. And instead that person saw there's a Jesus movie. And so instead of going to see the, the, the big movie that's set in Italy that maybe has people eating gabagool, they went to go see the Jesus movie. There, there is that, that crossover between house of Gucci Italians and Christmas with the, and I keep wanting to say with the cranks, but Christmas with the chosen. And I think Christmas with the chosen could have taken a couple million dollars from House of Gucci. Well, so this Christmas with the chosen is a fathom event, mm-hmm. which is uh, one of those things that limited engagement. This is mm-hmm. a it made nine million. But that's a Wednesday to Sunday number. It made 4.1 mm-hmm. in theaters this weekend. And it did really well. The South and the Midwest were big. Mm-hmm. And the top markets were Dallas, Houston, Detroit, Phoenix, Minnesota, Denver, Cleveland, Orlando, Sacramento, and St. Louis. And pockets of Bensonhurst. Yeah, I mean that that would definitely overlap. I mean the fact that this opened on the Wednesday and House of Gucci was tracking really well that Monday Tuesday and then Sod's decline on Wednesday. I mean that could be just a coincidence or it could not be. And you know House of Gucci was marketed heavily as this is an event. You all have to get together. You you'll never believe how ridiculous House of Gucci is, how how big it is, how loud it is, all of that. It's an event. And then it went up against a true event, a Fathom event, Christmas with the Chosen, where, hey, you might only have this one week to see it at all. It's a 10-day so, run. Mm-hmm. And it sold $1.5 million in tickets in the first 12 hours of sale. Wow. And it's at 1,700 theaters, which is the largest release ever for a Fathom event. So bigger than the opera, bigger than Rift Tracks. 
Um, yes. Bigger than, uh, you know, the 25th anniversary of, of uh, Back to the Future, all that kind of stuff. This is well, the biggest one. Well, let's get into this a little bit because I have on the numbers the top grossing Fathom events of all time. Really? Of all time being from 95 to 2021 because I believe 95 might have been when Fathoms came to being. Interesting. Wait, let's see if I could guess any of these. Well, number one uh, is, of course, Christmas with the Chosen, The Messenger, which is what mm-hmm. this is called. It's a concert performance film, and it's made $9 million. Okay. Now, number two, I'll give you a few hints. Okay. Number two is totally gettable. I think the ones underneath that are going to be very difficult. Mm-hmm. This is a film that we've both watched. It is a comedy. Okay. And it is by a by a filmmaker with a rabid fan base. And now wait, did we did me and you see this as a fathom event or we no, saw we this did, We did not see it together. We separately watched it on streaming. We separately watched Is this a like a concert film? No, it's a comedy, complete, like, filmed comedy. It is a continuation of a popular series of films starring two well-known characters. A continuation? Is this a Tom and Jerry movie? No, it's not. It is... Okay, how how much of a big hint do you want? Wait, okay, so this is okay, so this is it stars a comedian movie star. No, oh, wait, is it, it's not a Cheech and Chong movie? I've never watched. Oh, but I've you're re- you're kind of close, okay. in the sense that there's weed smoking is is a is a big deal to this duo. Weed smoking is a big deal to this duo. Is it a is this a Jay and Silent Bob reboot situation? It is. It is Jay and Silent Bob reboot at number two. This came out October eighteenth, two thousand nineteen. It made four point five million dollars. Really? So it is the top of the charts for Fathom events are Jesus Christ. Jay and Silent Bob. Nooch. Snoochie Booches, my lord. Mm-hmm. Wow. Good for Jay and Silent Bob. That is incredible. Yeah. And and I I you know, I don't follow Kevin Smith on Twitter, but uh, if he didn't tweet something about this today, it's a it's a huge uh miss that he was finally overtaken by Jesus. And it didn't for, take for that long. That he held a, yeah. It's only two years. But uh, again, that, you know, there was the pandemic uh, as well. So, so he really so did. So this, this Christmas with the Chosen, you said, is a crowdfunded movie that is a, uh, like a movie version of something that's on a religious TV channel, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So let me just g- give you a little bracket with the Chosen. Chosen is a streaming series. Mm-hmm. that 
was crowdfunded. The first season of it made uh, $10.2 million from over 16,000 investors, which surpassed Mystery Science Theater 3000 as the top crowdfunded filmed project. What an interesting um, series of projects that this has overtaken in that it became the uh, uh, the biggest crowdfunded movie overtaking Mystery Science Theater. Well, well here's the thing. The I'm biggest, not talking about the movie. Event. Sorry. I'm, I'm okay. talking about the series. The series, oh, the, was, the series was, was crowdfunded. Yes. We're not talking about wow. the movie right now. I, I, wow. I think the movie might have been crowdfunded, but I, I'm not 100% on that. I'm looking at wow. it right now. Um, but it, but to say that the, the people behind this, you know, uh, Jesus concert film slash uh, uh, reenactments, you know, series and then movie that they saw how the mystery science theater series was totally crowdfunded. And then these same people thought, you know what? We could do that. It's really cool that mystery science theater did that. Now let's do that for Jesus. And then they saw Jay and silent Bob reboot as the number one fathom event of all time. And then that's what gave them the idea. Let's make Jesus a fathom event. If, if, if Jay could do it, Jesus could do it. Yeah. You know, it's like Jesus really shows you inspiration could come from anywhere. Yeah. And I think the thing is, is that the Jesus IP, the Mm -hmm. apostles IP, they Mm -hmm. are a strong IP. Yes. Yes. We've seen this dozens of times that these kinds of films will satiate a specific audience who will come to theaters. That is what's important about this. It's it, mm-hmm. it, the the religiosity of it is important to some people, but for us it's about the cold hard cash and it's right. about the butts in the seats and these are the kind of niche marketed projects that come out of nowhere supposedly. And shock people mm-hmm. when we should be seeing more of these things. Like you say it all the time, something like Succession. And we're going to beat this drum because we need to beat this drum. Succession is so big right now mm-hmm. that if you would have had the first two episodes premiere in theaters as a Fathom event or something akin to that, as a mm-hmm. Warner Brothers special presentation, there, th- it could have made millions of dollars because you know what you do? You add extra scenes. You add some sort of supplementary thing. Even that you don't have to do. It'd be nice if they did, but you could just show the two episodes earlier than Sunday. You, you, mm-hmm. you open on a, fr- on a Wednesday, you get Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then yep. maybe people even go Sunday when it's still available. And this is going to drive people to the theater to what? Buy snacks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Buy popcorn. Mm-hmm. That is what they need to do. They need to learn the lessons from this. 
yeah. that you can succeed with these sorts of things. Yeah, I I love seeing a Fathom event finish in the top four because Fathom events are the future of movies or or should be a big part of the future of movie theaters. Mm-hmm. These, these Fathom events that really hyper-target certain areas and and are short-term and give a lot of focus to these niche products is what movie theaters should be doing way more of, you know? And like you said, Jesus and the apostles and uh, uh, Mary and Joseph, these are characters who people know really well even if they don't follow them they have huge q scores they you know mary and joseph are are the the types of characters that everyone has at least heard of you know everyone's heard of jesus whether they've read anything by him or or starring him everyone's heard of him and it does it 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 does make sense for every couple of years you're going to get a movie with these characters with this IP that opens in the top 5 it it just makes sense they're not going to go away mhm and everybody acts so shocked and we Everyone shouldn't act so shocked. shocked anymore right 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 so j- just to just to uh, let's round out this do you want the top the rest of the top five here for these fathoms. Okay, so so fathom events number one was Christmas with the Chosen became the, the new messenger. number one. Jane Silent Bob reboot I guessed is number two. So all right, number three, four, and five are these at all gettable? Can I guess these at all? Are they are these movies or are these like you know uh, uh, a baseball game that was on a fathom event? You will not get three or four. But you possibly could get five. So three is Batman the Killing Joke, which is a animated feature. Okay. I do remember that being a big deal. It made 3.9, well, 3.7 million. Mm-hmm. Number Well, let me four, try and guess a number four. Give me any kind of hint for four. Okay. It is a famous... 90s sitcom. Okay. And a famous 90s sitcom. When that, when did it become when was it a fathom event? 2019. This would have been a 25th anniversary of the beginning of this show. In 2019, so that means the 20 so that means it's a it's a show that started in in ninety four. Yes. So is it Friends? It is Friends. Friends twenty fifth, the one with the anniversary. Now this isn't the reunion special. This is something different. I don't know the details on this, but this was number four. So that was a good get. Wow. Interesting. Now number five was 2017. Mhm. It was a sporting event. Okay. And it was huge. 
2017 a sporting event was it then was it a a like a like a fight yes like it was a, a fight like an MMA or a boxing or a wrestling right 2017 a huge sporting event think of like so the two would have biggest been... names in their respective sports oh is it Floyd Mayweather against Conor McGregor? Yes, absolutely. That made 2.6 million. And then the Friends uh, made 2.8. So that's your top five. Wow. God, I mean, look at the variety in that top five Fathom events. Jay and Silent Bob, Jesus Christ, Floyd Mayweather, uh, Monica Geller. Um, that, that is... That is I mean, that's why Fathom events need to be a huge part of the future of movie theaters because mm-hmm. you just don't get that kind of variety. Otherwise, you look at the top 10 in a normal movie theater week and it's all of it's Marvel, you know, but when you start bringing Fathom events in, you get Conor McGregor and and, and you get uh, 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 Peter the Apostle. And you you get uh, uh, you know smelly cat. It's just it it really opens things up for these movie theaters. Absolutely. And and you see we, we you know we talk about our wannabe oh boy Austin all the time, mm-hmm. and you know he had recently we talked about his streaming show, unusual mm-hmm. attraction. Hmm. That its uh, pilot episode or its first episode was released in theaters. Yeah. Right? And that's the kind of thing, that's the kind of smart Luminary Figures Productions is behind Mm -hmm. it. That's the kind of thinking that is going to get them somewhere. Because people will come out to the theater to see things like that. Yeah, people want people want a reason to go to these buildings that have big, big screens. Because everyone, listen, we all love screens. And especially nowadays, babies are born uh, loving screens. They come mm-hmm. out, they see that monitor, uh, see what their heart rate is. There's a screen, they're handed phones, there's a screen, iPads all over the place. There's So we love screens and we want to go to these dark rooms that have the biggest screens. Because that's basically what movie theaters provide is we know you love screens. We got screens the size of a house. We got the biggest walls with the biggest screens. Yeah. But you got to put something new on those screens. And you look at this past weekend that the the big studios didn't release anything new. And you got all these people who are just dying to go to these to these buildings that got the biggest screens. And they they were like, give us anything. So at least the Fathom events, they gave them Jesus and gave them mm-hmm. Mary and gave them uh, all of these Christian rock bands who I'm sure are huge stars to a certain segment. I don't know their names. You don't know their names, but they're they're big stars and people wanted to see them 
on the biggest screens, on the biggest walls in, in these buildings in their neighborhoods. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they got to learn. Learn from the example mm-hmm. of Christmas with the chosen, the messenger. Yeah. Heed the message. And it's not a religious message. Again, no. the message is not the message espoused in the movie, which I'm sure is whatever for whoever who wants to believe in whatever. Mm-hmm. The real message to take mm-hmm. from this is that more niche things. And by niche, yes. $9 million ain't really, I mean, it's niche to Marvel, but it ain't niche to these theaters who are trying no. to get people in the door through the concession stand line into the seats. And everyone drinks soda. You know, that is whether you're religious or you're not religious, you drink a $14 soda, you know, and and a religious person who's excited to see Christmas with the chosen, the messengers and and rock out to those Christian rock songs. They're eating popcorn too. And they're getting juji fruits and they're getting the whole, if anything, they're going to be less likely to be the type of moviegoer who's going to sneak food into the theater. They were probably like, you know, someone might have suggested that, hey, we're going to go see Christmas uh, with the Chosen. Why don't we uh, uh, tuck a couple of Mike and Ikes in our pants before we get into the theater, which is a common thing a lot of us do. Mm -hmm. And they, you know, some of these moviegoers were probably more apt to say that that would be a sin. We can't stop outside Mike and Ike's in our pants. We've got to buy them in the theater legally and, and, and you know, in a, in a way that's in accordance with our beliefs. Yeah, people and like so, us, we'd do it. We'd walk in there with those boxes a shaken and just be like, we've got loose bones. Yep. You got you to say you got loose bones if they ask because they're not going to ask that follow-up. They're not going to ask, you know, no, you just scream loose bones and keep walking. Right. But but it's, but I would guess the average person who's going to see Christmas with the Chosen, they're not going to do that. They're not going to lie. They're not no. going to say they have loose bones. They're not going to sneak outside food in. They're buying that food at the theater. So th- this yeah. Fathom event was, uh, it was, listen, it was a godsend to these movie theaters. Yes. Now, Jesus came from above, opened up from the heavens, and just tossed down buckets of popcorn straight to these movie theaters' cash register. Now, speaking of godsends, mm-hmm. West Side Story, mm-hmm. will this be a big hit? Man. Or will this be a piece of shit? Wow, that is a... That is that is a box office pro uh, type range right there. Yeah, huge hit or piece of shit. I mean, what it this this is such a tough one because there is no big star in this movie. No, the star is Spielberg and the star is the IP. 
Yes, a Oscar-winning film that did not need to be remade. Mm-hmm. People are perfectly happy with the original film and the original cast recording. It is an act of hubris to remake this film, but there's nobody with more hubris than Steven Spielberg. Okay, so you, judging from that tone... I feel like you are not high on this movie or its prospects. I don't think it needed to be made. That doesn't necessarily mean that it will not do well. I mean, nothing needs to be made. I'm sorry? Nothing needs to be made. It only needs to be made if the studio thinks that people are going to want to go see it. True. I... I have not, I'll be honest with you, it, it, I do see a lot of commercials during football. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel any buzz in the air for this, truly. And I do think that we are the age group for this, us and older. Mm-hmm. And there are probably younger people who'd be interested in this. I mean, they mm-hmm. are trying to make it a four-quadrant type of film. But I would think the core people would be around our age mm-hmm. and I just don't feel any sort of buzz for this yeah I mean the the tough thing right now is that we've had a couple of musicals this year since since the theaters really reopened post pandemic and they have not done well you know, the t- unless I'm missing one, the ones that I could think of are In the Heights back in June mm-hmm. and Dear Evan Hansen in September. Both yes. flopped. And those yes. are, neither of them are at the level of West Side Story in terms of IP recognition. I mean, West Side Story is Jesus level within musical theater in terms now, of Pat- name value recognition. It is... There is a high Q score for West Side Story that there wasn't for In the Heights. Do you want to guess what the domestic box office for In the Heights ended up being? Like $27 million? Oh, you were so close. $29.8 million. Yeah. Now, again, day and date HBO Max film. But totally still, different story. that is a piss poor box office mm-hmm. results. And and then was Dear Evan Hansen probably what in the in the maybe hit maybe hit forty domestic? Let me check, maybe. but I would think that is very high. Because I feel like it ha yeah, probably lower, probably in in, in the Heights territory. Okay, hold on a second. Um Yeah, it is Ooh, fifteen million dollars for Dear Evan Hansen. Wow, that's how much it made total domestically? Its opening weekend was seven point four and then it wow. dropped. Wow. Wow. So God, so right now we're on a bad streak for Big screen musicals, but we but again, have had we've not had huge recent IPs. success. Not huge IPs, no stars, 
you know, not huge IPs. Both of them, or at least Dear Evan Hansen had terrible reviews coming into it. In the Heights did have good buzz, but it had the the HBO Max day and date thing. So those are not great comps, but West Side Story would have to break the streak now of big screen musicals not doing well. Mm-hmm. And you never want to be in that position of having to break a streak. No, you do um, not. It It's tough because this is a wide release. I mean, what is our over under you know are we looking at house of gucci's opening weekend as our over under for west side story the tracking is 14 to 22 million this is on uh box office pro wow so it really is in house of gucci territory because that movie opened up to like 14 and a half million for the three day and 22 for the five day Mm-hmm. So they're basically saying West Side Story is in the same range as what House of Gucci did. Which I guess makes sense because House of Gucci did have a legit star in Lady Gaga, where West Side Story is just a bunch of no-names. And Baby Driver, who's got a lot of, you know... Ansel uh, Al Gore. Yeah. Who is not... Let's say he's not really able to promote this movie in a big way. Have you, you know, seen him on any of the chat shows? I've not really noticed him on the chat shows. It's it's a it's a it's a uh, it's a weird spot where West Side Story is almost having to hide the star of their movie. Hmm. Um. And you could Google why if that's what you want to do, but but he's not someone they could really. Uh, focus on as like, hey, we've well, got Ansel Elgort in this movie. They're not really doing that, and you don't well, want to so be let's in a not position deal where you have to hide in this. tabloid. I, I'm just, tabloid I'm just saying, in in business wise, that you know they're in a position where their star is not someone they could send all over the place, which is ideally what you want when you cast someone in a movie. Mm-hmm. So it's it's a problem for them business wise. Um, I want to see what what Spielberg's last few films did. Well, let's see. I mean, the BFG was a a a, a big effing gar you know gonad. disaster. Go a big big effing gonad at the theaters. But his, I mean, he's as far as I can think has stayed pretty consistent in that ready player one was a giant hit and then his tom hanksy dramas all end up making 75 million dollars domestic so it's 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 a it's a it's such a tough one to call yeah his last film 2018's ready player one 41.7 41.7 opening weekend, a domestic total of 137.6, and worldwide 579. That was Bafa Bobo. Yeah, but it had the Battletoads, and it had Iron Giant, and it had the Ninja Turtles, and 
Batman and whoever else was, you know, that, that was a movie that was built on. A, it had the Zemeckis a, cube. Right. So we got a ton of IP. Whereas West Side yeah. Story is, but West Side Story is, we've got Maria and we've got a bunch of songs. So there's They're great songs. IP. People love those songs. Yeah. Yeah. When you're a jet, you're the jet all the way. How do you solve a problem like Maria? I'm paraphrasing. Mm-hmm. But these are these are songs that are live inside our bones. So this is, you know, and I, I hate talking about the the pandemic in terms of box office, but in this situation, I could see where this could be a problem for a movie like this and for musicals in general is in certain areas you still have movie theaters that are going with the, if you're not eating, you got to have your mask on policy. I know in New York there, you know, that that's the typical policy. And I think that's the way it is in a lot of movie theaters. Still, if you're not eating popcorn, you got to have your mask on. And with these musicals, whether people end up singing in their seats or not. I think a big draw for going to see these, especially a West Side Story where you know all the words, is people feel like we're all going to go there and we're all going to sing in the theater. And if you're going to a movie and the movie theater policy is you're going to have to have your mask on, it might dissuade that type of person from going to see this musical because they're like, I'm not going to be able to sing. I'm going to have my mask on. Everyone's got their masks on. We can't sing in the theater unless we're reading. And if we're reading, we can't sing anyway. You can't sing with a, uh, food in your mouth. And so that may be a problem for these big screen musicals is people are like, they know they're not going to be able to sing in their seat because they're still going to have to have their mask on. They, they're, they're afraid that uh, the expectorating. Right, right. Or whether they're afraid of it or not, they know that that's the policy. And if I got my mask on, I can't sing. And if I can't sing, why am I going to see West Side Story? Yeah. This is such a toughie, too. Um, We do have another movie coming out, National Champions, which I believe is a doc. Okay. And it's not expected to do much, anywhere from three to eight this is an STX film. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to really be doing anything to compete with this film. Mm-hmm. So it's a, it's a, it is a narrative movie. Stars oh, J. you're K. right. K. It Simmons. is. A star collegiate quarterback ignites a player strike. Yeah. So, oh, you're right. It is not a little rel is in it. Timothy Oliphant. Uh, Tim Blake Nelson. So it's a movie with some known quantities, but none of them is a movie star. Laurel David Koechner. David Koechner is in it. Russell Wilson Kristen, as himself, it, 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 who has not, I believe, been in a movie since the Entourage movie. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson. Kristen Chenoweth. Um, yeah, I mean, this... And listen, STX is not in a great spot right now. No, and it is only opening in 2,400 theaters. Okay. 
So that's probably not going to be a factor. And it's my guess is its main home is it's going to end up at Paramount Plus. And now the theater counts for West Side Story, according to Box Office Pro. And this cannot mm-hmm. be right. Mm-hmm. 2,800 theaters? It's got to be more than that. I mean, that is... Lo- so, oh, God. That cannot that be th- That cannot be correct. I mean, why would you... Why would you platform it in that way? Either platform it like Licorice Pizza where you open it in, a, in five theaters and let it create some buzz, or you open it wide. Like, the worst thing these movies could do is open in semi-wide release. Mm-hmm. And you would think that at this point... Even though it added, I'm looking at the theater counts from last week, House of Gucci added six theaters in its second week. But I feel like that may be ready to start shed, shedding some screens. Um, you know, Ghostbusters Afterlife could start shedding some more screens. I mean, Encanto, I think it's definitely going to start shedding screens. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And then you have stuff like Eternals, Resident Evil, Welcome to Raccoon City, those are really going to start falling off, you know, Venom, so on and so forth. So there should be plenty of screens for West Side Story unless unless these theaters are not that high on it. You know, they got burned by In the Heights. They got burned by Dear Evan Hansen. And the theater industry might not be sold on this new musical with no movie stars the the guy who's the lead what? in the movie can't really promote it. It may be a I mean, tough sell. Yeah, and and but again, this I, I I'm not, I'm going to take this theater count with a grain of salt. Okay, it is a Disney 20th Century Studios film. I I, I could not I cannot believe this is only opening to 1,800. It's probably going to be 3,000 some. So then let's use House of Gucci's opening weekend as the over under. And House of Gucci opened at what fifteen million for the three day. Oh, I mean, I, th- I, I, I think this, ha- I, I think this has to open bigger than that. I mean, if it doesn't, then it. Well, you know what? the The thing I will say is that West Side Story right now seems to be based on early reviews and, and, you know, gold derby and all the, the, the awards prognosticators, it's going to be a big award season and Oscar movie. So with the West side story, it's really not about the opening weekend as much as it's going to be what it does over Christmas. And then does it get, the big bumps as it starts getting nominated for awards in January. So this is this is a real long haul movie. I, I think the opening weekend could be like fourteen or fifteen million, and it could still end up being a huge hit. Well, Spielberg tends to have those movies that don't open huge, but they leg out to your eighty millions, your seventy five millions, your. Right. You know, like The Post and Bridge of Spies and films like that. Right. I mean, he doesn't have Tom Hanks in this. 
you know, if if true, if if he did have Tom Hanks playing, you know, the the head of the Sharks or or the Jets or whatever, it probably would have helped. Definitely more than Ansel Elgort's going to be able to help it. So then, what are you saying? Where are you headed? Where what's your where's your head at? I'm going to go low on this opening weekend. I'm going to go 14. You're going to go 14. But I'm going to say from now, I'm going to throw out a long-term prediction that West Side Story ends up making more than $80 million domestic. All right. I don't think that's a bad call at all, especially with, you know, if it does, like you said, get those nom-nom-noms. Yeah. You know, and the classic recent example in terms of a musical that that uh, ended up being a big hit is The Greatest Showman, Hugh Jackman from when, what was that, 2017, I think, that opened in December, doesn't have a huge opening weekend, but then does Baffa Bobo over that Christmas break and ends up being a giant hit. And I think West Side Story is going to have a similar trajectory and that's going to open low and it's going to play really well in the holidays and then when the awards start. So Greatest Showman mm-hmm. opens to $8.8 million wow. in 2017. Do you want to guess what its domestic box office ended up being? Oh, like one forty or so, right? Or even higher than that? Higher. One sixty? Higher. One eighty? Lower. One seventy four point three. Wow. So From I an mean West Side Story dollar start. Yeah. West Side Story, it would be shocking if it gets to that number. But it wouldn't be shocking if West Side Story opened on the low teens and made over a hundred million domestic. Yeah, it's hard to compete with with um, Hugh Jackman in a in a musical role. He is right. beloved, right. right? In those roles. Yeah, I mean, listen. I know the age thing is tough with West Side Story. That ideally, you're casting teenagers or actors who could play teenagers believably, but you know. Uh, Spielberg could have tried to get Hanks or could have tried to get Hugh Jackman. And I think then we're looking at a completely different story with this opening weekend for West Side Story if Hugh Jackman was the lead. Yeah. So what's your what's your top five? Because I, I, I think that West Side Story has got to be a slam doink. Yeah, so West Side's got to be number one. I, huh, I mean, I guess I'll, I'll stick with the prediction from last week, you know, it didn't happen last week, but I think this week Ghostbusters overtakes Encanto. So that means Ghostbusters is number two and then Encanto three, Gucci four. And I guess Christmas with the Chosen is ineligible, right? Because it's only a 10-day Fathom event? Yeah, unless it gets extended, it is It is only a 10-dayer. Wow. So then if that's not in play, then 
Does Eternal stay in the top five or does this national, I'll go with national champions number five. Well, here's the question though. Uh, sorry, Christmas with the Chosen. If it's 10 days and it started Wednesday of last, this past week. Then, then it's it, out it, of theaters it, by the weekend. But it's going to play through the weekend. No, 10 days would be uh, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I guess, is the last day. Oh, uh, okay. I Unless feel like they that extend gets expanded. It. I mean, you know what? Um, no, I'm going to go National Guard, National Champions number five. Do you? I guess the I guess the real question is if you want to bet that Christmas with the Chosen gets extended. Why the fuck not? I mean, let's let's do mine. I you know West Side Story number one again. Mm-hmm. I gotta believe that Encanto is out of gas. Ghostbusters mm-hmm. Afterlife number two, Encanto number three, House of Gucci number four, and then yeah, I'm gonna straight up say Christmas with the Chosen, the Messenger gets extended, and that's number five. So you have faith that Christmas with the Chosen will get uh will get its own afterlife. You gotta have faith. You gotta have faith. All right. So, I mean, it's very interesting. Very interesting top. I mean, Christmas with the Chosen. I got to give it a lot of credit for really giving, giving us all something to dig into this this week on what otherwise would have been a very slow weekend. Absolutely. Yeah, but that's the thing. That's the thing. As sleepy as the box office gets, it never sleeps, and neither do the Bo Boys. Nope. Nope. Because you, you you think there's nothing going on, and then you look down. And there's Jesus Christ sitting at number four in the box office. So, Pat, let's let's give them our email address. Where can they find us and let us know? What, are you an adult who dragged your kid to Ghostbusters Afterlife? Let's get to the bottom of this thing. Mm-hmm. Are you an adult who dragged your kid to Christmas with the Chosen. Email us at the Bo Boys Podcast at gmail.com. I mean, you know, we talked about last week how back in our day, our parents never dragged us to see uh, movies that were reboots of IP from their youth. They used to drag us to church or they'd uh, drag us to see Nana. But did your parents drag you are you a child whose parents dragged you to go see christmas with the chosen well it's similar because that's i mean that's what you know we got we used to get dragged to the live version mm -hmm. of this right church right i mean i if you're a kid now and you got dragged to see christmas with the chosen instead of going to church Count your blessings, because when we used to get dragged to church, we weren't sitting there eating fresh popcorn, drinking a big jug of soda in the pew. You know, we were eating those wafers and and and, and drinking that quote unquote blood, not diet cokes or cherry cokes. So if you if you this past weekend got dragged to see Christmas at the Chosen in the movie theaters. Uh, you're you're a lucky kid because it could have been a lot worse. 
you know. Absolutely. Uh, but email us at the Bo Boys Podcast at gmail.com. Basically, let us know if you're a child what you got dragged to at the theater this weekend. Yes, and uh, check out our Substack. Check out Brandon Gray on the Clubhouse app. He is starting a revival, box mm-hmm. office revival. Mm-hmm. Big, big, big conversation every Sunday, but he's popping in and on, uh, in and out on that app. So go there and talk it up. Check him out. Pat, Check out, think... of course, our, you know, Jeff Bach at Exhibit Relations Co. They're always doing great things. They're a great follow on Twitter. And, of course, box office legend Scott Mendelson at Forbes. I mean, he's he's nonstop churning out the article, so go check him out. You know, we got to shout out our box office brethren, uh, or at least the ones that we especially trust. Yeah, and, you know, uh, Deadline's... D'Alessandro, mm-hmm. come on, come on the pod and you'll get your shout out every week. Yep. Yep. It's an open invite, not to everyone, of course, but definitely to Anthony D. Alessandro of Deadline. Email us at the BO Boys podcast at gmail.com and we'll set something up. Get that BO Boys bump. Mm hmm. Well, Pat, we did it. I don't think there's anything left to say except till next time. We'll smell you at the bar.